folks, it's, God is just doing some marvelous things through our church right here at uh, River Oaks, and I'm uh, grateful for it, and uh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, let's hold them up. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. And here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. High five, pound your neighbor, whatever you need to do. Look at your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. Now look at your other neighbor and say, Jesus loves you. And look back at both of them and say, I hope it's a short sermon today. <laughs> I made the fatal mistake, caught me at a weak moment yesterday. I, Cindy said, you want to go shopping with us? With her and Mark. And I was, I don't know where it came over me. I said, Sure. There was a spirit guiding me, there's no doubt. <clears throat> Made it through the mall okay. And then my lovely, lovely, lovely wife said, well, I've got to go to Walmart. And you know my love for them during this time of year. So I walked in the door and... and, and I found an empty seat, and I said, I'm going to sit here and wait. That was the best part of the whole day. Because I got to watch people. People are fun to watch, aren't they? Especially people coming and going out of Walmart. They're fun. But this particular Walmart we were at, all the registers were open. And they even had somebody manning every register. I wanted to call 1-800-WALMART and say, Wow, what is this? <laughs> So I'm here in repentance today. There was a Walmart that had all the, all the people there. Not the one I normally go to, but that particular one did, praise the Lord. So now that I've covered that, it was a fall heard around the world. The year was 2003. A mob of Walmart shoppers rushing for a $29 DVD trampled Patricia Van Lester, knocked her unconscious that day after Thanksgiving. Her sister Linda Elsie watched, and I quote, she got pushed down and they walked over her like a herd of elephants. I told them, stop stepping on my sister. She's on the ground. Fast forward, 2008. Valley Stream, New York. Friday morning. Walmart worker, dead, and at least three patrons injured after an impatient crowd broke down the store doors and trampled the seasonal employee, Nassau County Police said. A part-time employee from the Queens, New York, was pushed to the ground by the 2,000-plus crowd, and that happened just before 5 o'clock in the morning. And as management was preparing to open the store, it's located in the Green Acres Mall building, hundreds stepped over, around, and on this 34-year-old worker as they rushed into the store. To buy what? 
flat panel TV. This crowd was out of control, the Nassau Police Detective Lieutenant Michael Fleming said. Nobody was trying to help him, said shopper Nakia Augustine, he was in the, he, he, who was in the line. They were rushing in the store, rushing, rushing, rushing. Crowds. Crowds are synonymous with Christmas. Have you noticed that? I've never, I don't think there's an economic issue down here in the South. I'll tell you, I sat there and watched Walmart and I went, whoa. Couldn't find a parking place. And the mall, come on now, folks. Boy, if you were a Santa Claus taking pictures in, in, in the mall, you'd be wore out. Kids everywhere. People everywhere. Malls are packed. Lines, why? They, they, line, they, 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 they roll back around the corner. People waiting to pay. Wow. Roads are cramped. It's one thing to get to the mall. It's another thing to get out of the mall and leave. Amen. They take your life in your own hands. But the problem with crowds at Christmas is that they tend to trample Jesus just like the mobs trampled Patricia Van Lester and this gentleman in New York. We get so involved in shopping that we miss the Savior. We're so busy with travel that Jesus is left home alone. We slide into a seat at church and not our usual place because someone else is sitting in our place and, and we don't focus on Jesus because we're angry that this unfamiliar pew occupant is in my place and this is where I always sit. And who are these people? They need to get up and move. We're in such a hurry at Christmas that we aren't living well and our souls are in need of a break, if not intensive care. Oh, folks. Richard Foster wrote in his book, Celebration of Discipline, in contemporary society, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. At no time of the year is that observation a greater reality. And could it be that it's the crowds, the shopping, those incessant bell ringing and music playing, the increased numbers of activities, the fast-paced lifestyles are just simply a ploy of Satan to get us to not focus on the Savior. Many years ago, a very wealthy European family held a christening for their child. Many guests were invited to the home for this occasion. They arrived in their big cars wearing high-style fashions. Their jackets and coats were carried to a bedroom and laid upon the beds. After hors d'oeuvres and the usual lot of conversation and commotion they were ready for the christening ceremony where's the baby somebody asked the nanny ran upstairs to look she returned several minutes later the baby was nowhere to be found someone remembered that the child had been seen lying on one of the beds and after a frantic investigation this little child was found smothered under the coats and the jackets of all these guests. The chief reason why they had come and gathered together had just been forgotten, neglected, and destroyed. Crowds and clamor have a tendency to smother Jesus at Christmas 
And He more often than not is forgotten, neglected, and if we're not careful, destroyed. I saw a picture of one of the internet. You know, you get a lot of emails from people and they'll send you pictures or stories. And of course they tell you, if you don't pass this on, you're going to have a curse fall on you for 98 years. Or just send this out to seven people and you're going to get such a blessing. Well, sure you will. But, you know, usually, well, if you do this, you're going to, wealth beyond your imagination will come upon you. Whatever. Delete. Don't fall prey to that stuff. Don't fall prey to that. In fact, Internet scammers are doing that to people. They're sending them out, wanting you to send them to ten other people. Why? So they can get their addresses. There you go. Oh, surely not, preacher. The Internet's pure and holy. The cross of Christ is still up here if you need to come and pray and repent. But I want to talk this morning about some who didn't hear the message. Some who did hear the message. And then how you and I can really catch the message. Shopping for a Savior. Second installment. The first Christmas in some respects was not unlike Christmas today. This tiny town of Bethlehem. Crowded. People stirring everywhere. Starbucks was just unbelievable. They were probably sleeping on streets. They were sleeping in the alleys. Anywhere they could find a spot. Merchants were up earlier than usual waiting for those that, that influx of visitors to purchase the items they had. The barking of street dogs, the complaint of donkeys pulling carts would awake children. The owner of the inn, that's the first one I want you to, 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 to realize. The owner of the inn had awakened earlier than most in town. His inn was full. I talked about him last week. All the beds were taken. People were everywhere. They were on mats and chairs curled up in every corner. Looks like a, an, an airport sleeping facility <laughs> when the planes can't fly out. Crowds and the clamor hushed the cry of the baby born in a manger. And God, the proud father, sent out a birth announcement like none other. And it should have been like no other. Because this was a very remarkable baby that was being born. God was coming in human flesh. God was now living in human form. And this child, God incarnate, would change the world. Second group that I want you to remember and realize didn't hear the message was the citizens of Bethlehem. They didn't hear that, uh, that message either. They didn't hear the announcement. The tiny town was too jam-packed, too noisy, too consumed, and too preoccupied. The mayor of Bethlehem didn't get the announcement. The high priest in Jerusalem was left out of the loop. Caesar, Caesar Augustus and the members of his royal court, none of the officials got the word that the Christ child would be born. They didn't get an official sealed announcement. So the palace didn't hear. The temple didn't hear. Jerusalem didn't hear. Bethlehem didn't hear. Why? Too crowded, too busy, too noisy, and too pretentious. One of the things that I saw yesterday that just blessed me was I was sitting on the bench and an older gentleman came and we sat together. He had his Korean War hat on. He was in his 80s. And I love to talk to people like that. I love to get their perspective on things. 
First thing I asked him, I said, did you ever think in your whole life you'd see our country in as bad a shape as it is now? He said, the second time. See, there's perspective, isn't it? He said, I was born just after at the tail end of the Depression. Stop you for a minute. Think about that. He said, boy, I'll tell you, we're, we're in a mess, aren't we? We just had a delightful conversation. I saw, I saw a mom. And I could tell that the mom was hurried and haggard. And I could tell that she was, <laughs> she was stressed out. And, and she dropped something out of her purse. It was in the basket. It dropped out on the floor. And the lady behind her, the lady didn't see it. The lady behind her left the line, picked up the item, and ran and tracked her down to give her what fell out of her purse. Then she had to go back and get in line again. She was next in line. Now, how about that? So, you know, when you stop and think about it, if you'll just look around, you'll see some great, great testimonies of the power of Christmas. But they were too crowded, too busy, too noisy, too pretentious. But there was a group that heard the message. That birth announcement regarding his son entering human history. A very unpretentious group. They were found on the outskirts of Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12 say it this way. And the same reason shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a manger. The announcement of Jesus' birth came to sheep herders. Sheep herders. Sheep herders were today's social equivalent of the homeless people living on the streets. Sheep herders were borderline social outcasts. They didn't fit into the culture very well. They stunk. They reeked. You know what I'm talking about? They didn't smell very good. Like a baby's dirty diaper. Especially when it's been in the nursery here at the church from Sunday and we don't find it till days later. It's not that the mom meant anything. You know, dirty diaper, you put it in the little hamper and off you go, right? Sometimes remember that doesn't get found for several days. Ooh, glory. You can walk toward the fellowship hall and there's no fellowship wanting to go on back there. That's the way they were. Borderline social outcasts. These are the folks that, and and you know the type I'm talking about, these are the folks that, they're not up on the latest trends and fashions. They haven't gotten the personal web page. They don't have the latest gadget or the newest toy. They they, they don't have a laptop or email address or, or... 
They don't even know what Starbucks is. Shepherds not only were borderline outcasts, but they were also religiously unclean. You see, in the Jewish tradition, to fully participate in the religion, one had to undergo certain rituals and attend festivals and services to be considered clean and acceptable before God. I'm just so glad that the only thing I need to do is to find Jesus, wash away my sins, rise to walk in a new life. I don't have to worry about rituals, ceremonies, or anything to find favor with the Lord. I've just got to come to the foot of the cross and lay it all there. Hallelujah. But you know, we know people like this. We know people like this. Shepherds work schedule and their constant migration. They couldn't attend these services or these festivals. And you know how people look at them. When they come to church, they give them that look. Like, mm, 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 mm. You know, and just sure enough, what do they do? They come sit close to you. There happens to be an empty seat. And they come up and you don't want to be rude. And they say, can I sit here? And what do you say? Sure, sit down. Then as the, as the service goes on, there's a certain air about them. Yeah. So that's why we have seats on the back row back there. Amen? Let's put them back there. And if John and Jeff fall over, well, you know. If you've noticed, I've taken the seats out of the back row. I'm going to make you sit in with all of us. Smell or no smell. Hallelujah. What are the right clothes to wear to church? Well, when I was growing up, it had to be a coat and tie. You're going to, you're going to meet the king? You want to dress appropriately to meet the king. How many of us heard that? Girls, you had to wear a dress, didn't you? You couldn't go. Jeans? Get out of town. Shorts and a tennis shoe? Come on. Had to have your hair slicked down. You had to, ooh, women had to wear hats. You don't go to church without a hat. Well, I don't have a hat. You better find a hat. You can't go to that church if you don't have a hat. So we send out messages to people about how they're accepted or not accepted. And really the only thing that we need to be worried about and concerned about is do they know Jesus of Calvary? Amen? I got one amen. Can I get more? Thank you very much. But they were also, they were social outcasts, borderline, they were religiously unclean, and thirdly, they were loners. Shepherds were loners. They tended sheep out in the open field away from everybody. I mean, if a, if, if a chariot rode up and the headlights were on bright, man, they got excited. They were out there by themselves all the time. Nobody wanted to go out there. They lived under the stars. They'd get the sheep laid down and they'd lay down and they'd look at the stars. And God knew that they would look at the stars. He knew they always looked at the stars. What else have they got to do at night than to look at the stars? I doubt very many of them were married. They smell bad. Of course, I guess if you're married to a sheep herder, you probably smell bad too, don't you, ladies? All right. Or you like to smell a sheep. There you go. I guess Bath and Body Works wasn't around about that time. People, 
that are loners, kind of like the cowboys on the open range. Oh, give me a home where those buffalo roam, and I'll show you a home that's not clean. <laughs> that was my goofy parody of that song. Where seldom is heard a discouraging word, and the skies are not cloudy all day. Home, home on the range. Yeah, you got it. Who wants to go out there with them? I used to love the commercial, cigarette commercial. The guy said, uh, two of them sitting on a horse smoking a Marlboro, and he said, come up to where the flavor is. And then I heard a preacher say, what's, what's flavor with 20,000 cows? <laughs> you know? Good point. Kind of like sheep. But they did live a simple life. Not very hectic. Pretty slow and calm. It was actually noise-free and people-less. I've always contended if I could get paid what I thought I was worth, and didn't have to deal with people, I'd have the ideal job. Any of you want to join me on that one? Sign right up. Where's the paper, preacher? All right. But here's the point. God's birth announcement came to those who were not in the crowded city, but rather to those men separated from society. They could hear because they were in a place to hear. I was at pastor's conference in Moody Bible Institute a few years ago and was in a workshop. And in the workshop, the, the leader of the workshop said, I want to show you something here before he started his lesson. He said, how many of you, and we were all preachers in the room, he said, how many of you, and there's probably a hundred of us in the room, how many of you grew up in a church of a thousand or more? No hands went up. He said, how many of you grew up in a church of 500 to 1,000? Uh, three, three or four hands went up. How many of you grew up in a church of 200 to 500? Several more hands went up. He said, now how many of you grew up in a church of 100 or less? All the rest of the hands went up. Over 60 to 70% of us in that room grew up in a small church like this. The point he was making was, just because you're large doesn't mean you're producing a whole lot. You see, where are the workers for the kingdom going to come? They're going to come from the people of God and the people who are focused on God and not on entertainment. These young people sitting up on the second row, I love this. And you do too because you can keep an eye on them. I got you. I got you. And I've, ta I've taught them well. They're, they're all leaning like this in a posture of prayer. Yeah. I love it. Because just maybe, just maybe, we might see a preacher rise out of this group. You see, you've got two that have risen up out of this. We've got a song leader that's risen up out of this church. We've got others. We've got, one at, we've got two at Bible college now. And I claim Sarah Ragabish. She doesn't belong to Highland Park. I claim Sarah. So we've got a third one up in, in Manhattan. You see what I'm saying? So, hey, who's to know? When I look down that row of young people, I can see a lot of potential for Christ and His kingdom right here. I've been on mission trips with some of them. Oh, and they whine like teenagers. But then I've watched them also reach out beyond themselves to somebody else. That's exciting, isn't it? That's what it's all about. If we can just get a seed planted in there, get a seed. Now, how do you and I hear the message? First of all, we need to be still. Be still. Just be still. I love to sit in our living room, Christmas lights only on the tree, all the other lights off, and just listen for God. Mark put uh, Christmas lights on our house this year. And when you plug them in, man, it's like 
It's like the, we've lit the whole city. I walk out and I go, man, my sunglasses, gee, man, because they're so bright. Maybe it's because our street's so dark. But it's just amazing. And I love to see that. I love to just be still and listen for God. I don't want to anticipate anything. I don't want to just, I don't, I don't want to rush anything. I just want to let God speak to me. I get up early in the morning sometimes. God, and I believe it's God waking me up and He's calling me to pray. So I'll sit on my chair in the stillness of the moment and I'll wait for God to prompt me about who to pray for. And I guarantee you, one of your names comes up. Every time. Every time. And I'm so grateful for those times. So be still. Secondly, find a quiet place. You cannot focus on God with noise. You just can't. It's easier to focus on Him in a quiet place. Amen. For men, they have their work shed or whatever it is. Get out there. Get out there. Whatever you need, find a quiet place. Christmas comes packaged with a lot of noise. It's everywhere. Music, bells ringing, people chattering, people rustling, rustling around. The nature of a crowd is that it prompts noise. It can't be avoided. I had breakfast this morning with a boomer sooner. And the noise coming from that guy. Heisman, Heisman, Heisman. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was deafening. You know, he's coming to church. You don't wear an OU shirt to church. <laughs> Unless you're our resident OU fan. And I'm surprised he didn't break up. Don't. (laughs) Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. I'm going to move on before I'm in more trouble. The shepherds, it says, were out in the fields. Out in the fields implies that they were away from the clutter of life and the crowds that accompany messy Christmases. Found a place of quiet. A place of quiet where they could... Focus and hear God. Silent night. Holy night. All is calm. All is bright. Round yon virgin mother and child. Holy infant so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heaven. Well, I love that song, don't you? It's a calming song. It brings you down to where you should be. (coughs) Country music star Travis Tritt spent many years playing in out-of-the-way joints before he made it big in the music industry. And he reports that in, in, in a story that many of the bars were dangerous places <laughs> where drunken fans started fights over the smallest of things. Crowds can easily become uncontrollable mobs, but Travis Tripp found a unique way to keep the peace in such situations. Whenever that would happen, he said he would break out singing Silent Night. Holy night, all is calm, all is... And he said the fighting would stop. People would hear the words, hear the music, and stop. Why is that? Because that's what Jesus does for us. In the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of all the hurriedness... We can find peace. And then thirdly, be intentional. Be still, be quiet, and then be intentional. 
There's a word about the shepherds that stuck out for me in Luke's story. Also in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby. Underline the word living in your translation. Living. They were living there. And I'm not sure what Luke means by this when he says they were living there. But I'm telling you, they were eating, they were breathing, they were performing their job. But it it expresses intentionality to me. They were intentional in what they did. So when you and I say that we are Christians, how intentional are we? Are we just playing? Are we just playing at it? You see, we still like hanging around the crowd. We still like going to the parties we probably shouldn't go to. And I'm speaking to the adults, by the way. Because, see, adults will go to parties they shouldn't be at. They'll hang around people they shouldn't hang around. Why? Because those people take you to places you don't need to go. You've been there. It's ugly. Well, sure, we don't want the kids to do that. But see, they've got to feel accepted. So they're going to go to these places because that's, that's where you're accepted. You know what I say? Start a new gathering place. Start a new gathering place. When I was 14, I became a Christian. And I was a stud football player in the big state of Texas. Oh, yeah, it was fun. I loved all the notoriety that we got because our high school had won the state championship. And then you were the state champion of the whole state, not north or south. That's how long ago it was. But I'm telling you, it was great. You could walk down the hall, everybody knew who you were. They put, they put our pictures, our huge 11 by 17, I mean, these big old pictures they'd take of us on our, on our jerseys, and they'd post them in businesses all over town. So you could walk into that business, and boy, people would say, hey, you're the guy in the window. And I'd go, yeah, that's me. It was great to be known. It was great. But there came a time when I was challenged whether I was going to stand for Christ or not. Oh, I got invited to the parties. And at those parties, I used to drink 7-Up. And well, I always carried something in my hand. And it was clear, so who knew what it was? Right? Then I got real smart, and I found Cherry 7-Up. So it really looks like you got something there. Yeah. But see, I had to have something so that I felt like I was part of the crowd. Till I, till God really got hold of my heart. And he says, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Two other guys, three of us on the football team decided that we were going to spend our senior year. And why we waited till then, we wasted so much time. But we were going to wait. We were going to do our senior year. We were going to live for Christ. We were going to walk the walk. We are going to talk it. We are going to walk it. And so we did. And do you think everybody responded to us? Satan increased the attacks, just what Pat was talking about this morning. He increased the attacks. We were ridiculed by the coaching staff. We were ridiculed by the players and by our peers in school. I remember going up and asking a girl. She was a cheerleader, and I wanted to go out on a date with her because I thought she was beautiful. So I went up to ask her out. And I said, hey. I'd like to go out with you. It's in the hallway, of course, at school, right? In between class. And you know what she did? She said, oh, I can't wait to go out with you. You bet. Now, you know what she did? She stepped back 
And she went as loud as she could. You want to what? Well, I'd kind of like to take you out. She was, I mean, almost bawling, laughing so hard. She said, I quote, happened to be there. She said, I would never go out with somebody like you. Then she said, and furthermore, you're a Christian. Oh, come on. Turned around and walked off. So me and my Bible, we were standing there trying to find some sense of self-image again, you know. But I learned a great lesson that day. And that if I was looking for her approval, I was in the wrong business. And so I went and told the preacher about what happened, and I'll never will forget it. He put his arm around me and he said, you know what? And then he quoted out of Matthew 5 where Jesus said, Blessed are you when you are persecuted for my sake. For so they have persecuted those who have come before you. He said, you know what happened today? Is you got to be a soldier of the Lord. Well, now that puts it in a whole different... Ba- All right. He said, you're a soldier of the Lord. He said, you just fought a spiritual battle. And you may not have think you won, but you won. Because that girl recognizes in your life what's important. Now, that kind, of, that kind of gets you ready to go again, doesn't it? So I want to challenge you this morning. Be intentional. Be intentional. Don't let the crowds weigh you down. Don't let the busyness weigh you down. Don't let the gift giving and buying weigh you down. Let Jesus lift you up. Let Jesus be the reason for your season. Let Jesus do what he's called us to do. And that's live in us, work through us, and save us. Father, I ask you this morning to move in the hearts of your people here. And Father, I'm asking these folks, will they, will they hear? Will they hear the message of God? Will they hear your message? Not only at this time of year, but every day of their life. Will they stop long enough to be still and listen? Father, a place where you can break through the busyness and the rushing and the clamor of it all. Father, will they determine to live intentionally? Will they just stop pretending? Stop going through the motions and begin to live the life that you've intended us to live? Oh, Father, may we not trample Jesus out of Christmas. I know, Father, there's somebody here in this room that needs to know you as a personal Savior. I know there's somebody in this room that's carrying some burdens that are unbelievable. And Father, they need, they need reassurance. So, Father, will you through your Spirit today reassure them of your love for them? Oh God, we need you today. We need you to sweep us away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have a-